how he got to Marist because of a poker game, why he stays at Marist and doesn't accept other offers, what keeps him motivated year after year after year, how his leadership style has evolved over the years, why he does versus doesn't come out of his shell, his favorite Sean McVay story, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, two, nine, with my high school football coach in the second winningest high school football coach of all time in Georgia history, Alan Chadwick. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Discipline is the most important muscle that you can build to go from where you are to where you want to be. And the discipline that I teach you to achieve your fitness goals is the same discipline that you're going to leverage to achieve your life goals. I know that the single defining difference between losers and winners is losers know what to do, but winners actually do it. So become a winner today and join the 10-week transformation program at go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program. You can get started from anywhere today. Y'all, today could not be more of a special interview for me. In high school, I loved football. I was captain of the football team and I played strong safety and running back. My best friends were on the football team with me and football was just a big deal at my high school, which was Marist School in Atlanta, Georgia. And today I got the fortunate opportunity to bring on my head coach, Coach Alan Chadwick. Now, Coach Chadwick is the head football coach, like I said, at Marist, my high school, and he's been the head coach since 19. 19- 85. He originally got there in 1976 as the offensive coordinator, and then 19 or nine years later, he took over as head coach in 85. Now, as the head coach, he has compiled a 399, 73, and zero overall record, an 85% winning percentage, which makes him the second winningest high school football coach in all of Georgia. Coach Chavik has received numerous honors and awards during his career. At Marist, he was named Region Coach of the Year 15 times and State Coach of the Year in 1989, 2003, and 2020 in three different decades because he led the War Eagles to state championships each of those three years. Coach Shadwick was also the head coach of Sean McVay, the current head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, before diving into the episode with Coach, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure to share this episode with a friend while you're listening. And if you're a Marist family or a Marist person, make sure you send this episode to other Marist friends and family that you know you know they're going to want to hear this one. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Alan Chadwick. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm not sure if I've ever been as fired up as I am today for today's interview with my high school football coach, the one and only Alan Chadwick. Coach Chadwick, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Sure thing. I appreciate it. My pleasure being here. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, it's been a while since we've connected, so I've been super excited about this conversation. So just to give everyone a, a brief little background, you you joined Maris back in, in 1976 and as the offensive coordinator for the for the team and then took over as head coach in 1985. And so kind of the first question that I want to want to start with you is during that kind of 9-10 year period, what do you think were the biggest things that you did or that maybe that you learned that set you up for success to be a a good head coach and and have a good, you know, 
multi-decade long career that you've had thus far? Well, uh, there's no doubt that I was very fortunate to be underneath the leadership of Dean Hargis, our athletic director and head football coach. He was a 17-year athletic director and head coach at at Marist. And uh, to spend nine years under someone who was very grounded, uh, cared a great deal about his players. He basically helped start this athletic program on the present course that it is today and the overall success of the athletic program. Um, I was a young buck coming out of, you know, college and, 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 and playing a little bit of pro ball and then coming back and, and being a GA in college uh, and then coming into high school. Uh, you know, one of those guys you thought you knew it all, but you find out real quick that you don't and that you got to learn how to do things the head man's way uh, if you want to be successful. But he was very grounded, uh, very much involved with the fundamentals of the game, teaching the game the right way, uh, getting the most out of his players. Um, I was more or less a throwing quarterback in my time as a, as a player. And we were, I was coming into an offense. It was the, the option under center option. And um, it took some adjustment for me to, embrace that and understand that that was the right way to go for our kids and the type of athletes we had and the program that we had, that that was the best thing that we could be doing from an offensive standpoint. So it was, it was a real good learning experience for me from that standpoint. Uh, and then also to be around some other great coaches with um, Jerry Queen was their offensive line coach and he was a longtime baseball coach. He won, you know, multiple, multiple state championships in baseball. Uh, and then Bud Murray was a, a, a true character as a running back coach and former paratrooper in the military and um, wrestling coach and golf coach. Just to have those kind of older men that cared so much about their players and uh, kind of took me under their wing and taught me a lot about the game and about how to work with people. I think those are the main th- things that I, I, I gained from those early years. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like they were some great role models for sure. I didn't, um, I didn't realize that Dean Hargis was there for 17 years. That's awesome. Um, to, I want to, I want to learn a little bit more about your, like your playing days. I didn't actually realize that you originally went to university of Georgia before transferring to East Tennessee state. Um, and then having a really great senior season and then getting, getting drafted by the, uh, the Chicago bears. So tell me a little bit more about the the timeline kind of post-college as to what the timeline was in regards to a little bit of pro ball that you played and then doing the GA and then going to Marist. What's the timeline there? Well, I was graduated from Decatur High School in 1969, and I had three older brothers that were in front of me that all played ball. Uh, two of them went on to play college ball, both at the University of Tennessee, Walter and Dennis. And I was only a year behind Dennis, and he was a quarterback in front of me. So I didn't get to start in high school until my senior year. Mm, because your brother was starting over you? And there was no way I was going to beat him out. He he was a prep All-American and ran a 4-4-40 and all this kind of stuff. So oh, um, what happened to you? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I could throw it. I couldn't run, but I could throw it. <laughs> so, um, but um, uh, I didn't want to follow him to the University of Tennessee. So I chose Georgia. I felt like there was a few older quarterbacks in their program at that time. And that after a year or so, there would be a, you know, a changeover. And so I thought that was a better opportunity for me. Uh, I think the coaching staff at the University of Georgia had a different opinion of my abilities than, than I did. And uh, they went another route. So I spent a year over there as a freshman 
player and injured my shoulder and then moved out to play receiver because I'd injured my shoulder, couldn't throw. And then the next year I spent as a redshirt quarterback over there running around like, uh, you know, playing the part of Archie Griffin and, I mean, uh, Archie Manning and some of these other quarterbacks around that time as a scout team quarterback. So, um, and then the next year, I could tell that that coming spring after that, that uh, things weren't quite going in the direction I would like for them to. So I had a former coach, high school coach that was up in East Tennessee, and I made that connection and decided that was the best place for me. I went up there uh, and had to set out a transfer year. So this was three years of college ball and yet to see on the field. And uh, then was able to start and finish two years. Uh, and was fortunate enough to get drafted by the Bears and then went up there and um, thought I had some pretty good camps, but things didn't quite work out that way and got cut late. And so there was no way to get picked up anybody else. And then the following year after that, or at that time, I went back to East Tennessee and worked on my graduate program and worked as a graduate assistant. And then the following um, spring, summer and fall, uh, tried out with the Redskins. George Allen was a coach up there at that time. Um, and it's, it's really tough when George Allen gives you your pink slip and says, you know, you're good enough to play. You just got to find the right place to play, uh, the right team. And so, again, I went back to East Tennessee, uh, continued my work on my graduate program, uh, was a GA assistant as well. And then, uh, interesting story, uh, in December of 1975, uh, I got a call late December. I got a call from my dad who uh, – uh, said that Marist was looking for a coach, uh, that he he played in a poker club, poker game with uh, Dean Hargis, the head football <laughs> coach. And he had lost one of his staff members to to take a job in the college coaching. So he was looking for somebody to come in and finish out the year uh, and, and help him, you know, both in PE and in football and several other sports as well. So that's how I got that connection. I came down and interviewed and then started that January 13th, 1976. So I tell everybody I got this job through a poker game. <laughs> That's hilarious. So do you think at that time, you know, you were ready to go into coaching or did you want to still go back out go back out and try out for another NFL team? As a matter of fact, I, um, I thought about trying one more time. I uh, was in contact with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I did go out there to a couple of uh, mini camp type things in late winter or so, and uh, just didn't think that it, I thought it was going to be a stretch, you know, a real stretch to try to make that happen. And I, I kind of settled into Marist a little bit. It was a pretty good job, you know, and, and it was around good people. So I decided not to pursue that third opportunity to try to make it in the pros. And it turned out to be the right decision for me. I'm not very happy with where I am and, and the way my, my career has turned out. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, I want to transition a little bit into – that was awesome, by the way. I didn't know that, that your dad played in a poker game with Dean Hargis. Uh, that's super cool. I think a lot of people will be super um, interested and intrigued to hear that. But I want to transition a little bit into – kind of Marist football and like the culture that has been created by, I guess, Dean Hargis and, you know, more and more by, by you and, and the athletic staff. What do you think has been like some of the most important things that you guys have done uh, you personally and, and as a coaching staff as a whole that has led to just creating this culture around Marist football that is, 
so that's so special. Like for those of you guys who who are listening, who uh, you know, have no idea what Marist football is. It's just it's a, we, it's a school down in Georgia that I went to, and and football is it's you know it's one of those things where you watch high school football TV shows and and, and movies and stuff, and there's a there's a certain thing about high school football, and that's what we had at our school. So what do you what are some of the things that you guys did, you personally and as a coaching staff, to build that special culture around Marist football? Well, one of the things that we still do to this day is that uh, Coach Hargis had a set schedule with how he went about his practice schedule on a daily basis. Mm. And it started with, with uh, a pre-practice period. We went into stretching from there. And then we went into what we call our bone period, which is 10 minutes of running option only uh, against different fronts and schemes. So it being a, an option-based team, it's very important that you get a lot of reps and a, and a lot of looks uh, and a lot of timing and execution time together with different positions. And so that was one thing we continued. Then we went into a kicking session where we, we work on different phases of the kicking game on each particular day. On Monday, it's punt day for us because that's probably the most important punt uh, uh, special teams that there is. That you can lose the game very quickly by getting uh, punts blocked. So we worked uh, 15 minutes on punt coverage and punt return. And then we go into what we call fundamental group and team times. So after our special teams, we turn it over to defense. They go 10 minutes of fundamentals, 10 minutes of group time, and then 10 minutes of team time. Then we switch over to the other side of the ball and do the same thing. So it's a, it's a repetitive type of schedule where players are getting fundamentals every single day. They're getting group time to work on timing and working with different groups like secondary, working with linebackers on uh, pass coverage and, and, and things like that, or run fits or perimeter run support type game. And then team time where the whole group comes together and they work on the basic plays, the best, basic install of what they want to get accomplished that day. Um, and it's the same thing. We do that for like basically three days of the week. Uh, Thursdays, our walkthrough day is a little bit different. Of course, it's condensed down quite a bit. But that's something that we do during two-a-days, during long one-a-day practices, all the way up and all the way through the season. And I think that that's one of the, certainly one of the things that, we've, that I've learned that we've continued to stay with that's been very effective for us. Our kids know what the schedule is going to be. They know what, what uh, sections of the special teams we're going to be working on each particular day. And uh, like I said, on Monday, it's punt. On Tuesday, it's kickoff and kickoff return. On Wednesday, it's extra point field goals. Uh, on Thursdays, it's probably hands, teams, and onside kick coverage and things like that. So uh, that was one thing that was very important. The consistency of what we do every day is, is so important. And I think the other thing was just the expectations of excellence, you know, okay. of demanding excellence from your players uh, because they're only going to give you what you demand of them. And um, to, to be engrossed in that type of culture where that's they're giving that from, from 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the classroom every day, and then it just continues on and carries on over in the practice settings that we have. And um, uh, the fact that we've got great coaches that demand that perfection and excellence on a day-in, day-out basis, it kind of helps breathe that culture that we want of our kids to play hard and play physical. We think that if they play hard and play physical, you got a chance to, to be competitive 
and, and win some football games that way. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that transitions nicely into the, the kind of one of the questions that I wanted to talk about. So at Marist, we are uh, we're a private school, a private Catholic school, and Coach Chabuk doesn't necessarily have the fortune of getting the cream of the crop athletes every single year, <laughs> to say the least. We usually have uh, less athletic people necessarily, you know, not all of us are super unathletic, but uh, we don't have the cream of the crop uh, athletic talent. And, and then we still overperform probably with the talent that we have. So what do you think is kind of like the biggest keys to doing that, to kind of overperforming, I guess, with the athletic talent that you have? Well, practicing hard every day. Uh, being tough and being physical. We have to teach our kids how to be physical nowadays. It, it, we're, we've got a little bit different type kid than we used to have. Unlike yourself, who came into us, you know, focused, committed, dedicated, hardworking, a tough kid. Uh, it's changed to some extent. So we have to incorporate that into our kids. Um, and that comes from just daily hard work, effort, making sure you work on the fundamentals, you pay attention to details. And then the other side of it is an execution, you know, the timing aspect of working together over and over and over again. We've had to incorporate more summer workouts with more practices involved in our summer workouts as opposed to what we did in the past. Uh, we've also transitioned over a little bit more to uh, a shotgun spread offense. And um, so we're basically running two offenses. So we've had to try to get more time together, certainly during the summer to try to get things worked out and timed out. And, you know, the high school season is starting this weekend here in Georgia. I mean, the games are played last night. They're playing tonight. But we always we always wait and uh, go a little bit later because of the fact that, you know, we are trying to put two offenses together. Uh, and it takes us, you know, three or four weeks in the season before we start to get some of these kinks ironed out. So um, that's – that's uh, one thing, but getting back to your question, I think it's just the culture of playing hard, playing aggressive, being physical. Uh, that's going to give you the chance to um, uh, be competitive, to win some football games. And you're going to see the development of your kids when you do that on a day in, day out basis. And I think some of that's been lost some in football nowadays with all, all the spread teams that you have nowadays. Um, sometimes they're not real good on the fundamentals. They rely a little bit more on athleticism to make things happen, but you know, we've got to be very good with fundamentals. We got to have low pad level. We got to come off, get great knock on our when we're under center option, get great knock with our offensive line. Backs have got to run hard downhill, um, and, and those things pay off for us. And the fact that I've got you know a great, great coaching staff—I mean, some of the best guys you could ever be around and have on your staff. Uh, most of them have played for us, and, and as you well know, and have come through Marist and have come back to uh, to help out in the program and. I really, I lean heavily on what they do and what they bring to the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I can, I can definitely attest to that. And I kind of want to get a little bit to the, uh, the coaching staff here in a second, but before I do, I will have already in the end, kind of the intro of the episode, given a lot of the, you're like your overall record of 399, 73, the region championships, the state championships and stuff like that. But you've been, you know, super successful over this long period of time. What has kept you, at Marist, you know, you've been super successful over a long period of time. I'm sure there's been other opportunities to go to bigger high schools, to maybe go to different colleges of some sort. What has kept you there? 
I think a lot of things. I think the success of our program, uh, the facilities that we have to work with, uh, the tradition of our program and our overall athletic program, which is the best in the, in the country, as noticed by Max Prep Sports uh, recently. Um, the, the people that I'm around on a day-in, day-out basis, these are great people here. They're very uh, structured. They're very committed to excellence. They want to be the best they can be in all phases of their life. The type of kid that we get that's, that wants to be disciplined, um, enjoys being disciplined, kids that give us everything they've got, um, uh, the comfortableness of coming to the same place every day and knowing what the expectations are, knowing, you know, I, I can tell from different stages of the season exactly what I need to do and where I need to be and what's going to be happening on, on a daily basis. And um, just just those overall um, overall parameters there of, uh, of the, the type of people we have, the type of kids we have. Uh, Camaris is a great place to work. You've got a great support base here. Uh, the, the families, the parents that I am involved with and have had the opportunity to get to know over all these years, they're very supportive of what we do. Uh, so there's a lot of boxes being checked there on why this is a special place to come to. And when you incorporate the faith-based um, mission that we have here at Marist, you're getting a complete package. And, and that's what we pride ourselves on here at Marist is, is, you know, the complete package of, of education, of athletics, of extracurriculars, of religion, uh, faith-based attitude. So it's a very special place in a lot of different ways. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, there's unlimited examples of that. Obviously, you've been there for so many times. Ever When I was there, there was so many other teachers and coaches who had been there for decades on decades. And then, you know, the tradition that we have uh, of so many different alumni sending their kids there and, you know, just so many and the coaching staff that's been there for such a long period of time. There's so many different examples of uh, of that and, and why people like to stay around Marist because of all the things that you that you had mentioned. I want to get a little bit into your personal game preparation, because, you know, one of the like to me, you you nailed a on the head a number of reasons why we as people who don't have the cream of the crop talent still perform at a high level. But I think the other big thing is that's huge is the level of coaching that we have and the the structure around our practice, the consistency around our practice, the game preparation that we have, the watching the film, the scouting reports and all that stuff. So like, what is it, what does the week of a game look like for you in regards to preparation? Well, it's a very extensive process, no question. Um, I don't get as involved with the defense, uh, you, you know, as a probably as I should, but uh, I, I trust those coaches over on that side of the ball. Coach Jeff Ewart, Gary Miller, uh, John Embry is back with us, a former player. Uh, Danny Stevens, uh, Atlanta former Atlanta homicide detective who works on our staff as our defensive ends coach. Those guys have been together a pretty good while. Uh, coach Ewart, Played for us here, uh, played college baseball, came back, uh, was an assistant defensive coach for a number of years, and then took over as the, as the defense coordinator. They've got a process. They've got a, a um, 
a stepping stone of what they want to do on a regular basis. And it starts on Sundays. It starts uh, coming in on Sundays. Usually defensive staff is in about 10 or 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings and start working and breaking down films. They kind of spread out and break down individual films, game films of our opponent. They pull three or four games together and then start putting up tendencies and, and plays and formations. Um, it's a very, very involved process that they have to do. And they do a lot of it by hand. You know, a lot of people do it by, by computer nowadays, but our guys do it by hand because they feel like it helps them to learn it better. In other, in other words, they'll take our opponent's formations and they'll put every formation up on whiteboards. And then they put play names and tick marks of where the play, the ball's going. If it's a screen or if it's a draw, if it's a, if it's an ISO or if it's a toss or whatever it might be. And so they've usually got two big whiteboards down there that are just full of formations and tick marks. And they've got their unbalanced sets. They've got their spread sets. They've got their two tight end sets, that type of thing. So when they do it this way, it helps them to learn it better as they go through the week. And then they can all see it on the board at one time. So they're not looking on a computer screen, yeah. you know? And, and so when they, they, they look at a formation, let's say two tight ends, let's say, okay, what plays are they running out of two tight ends? And then coach Ewart will put a list up on another board about each formation and going through the calls and the checks that they want to have and the formations that they want to put up against that for particular uh, offensive set. So it's a, it's, it's time consuming and it, yet it's, it's a learning process for them to get to know them. And, and then that way they make sure that everything's been covered. They don't leave any, anything unturned. And then on um, our offensive staff, we come in a little bit later. Uh, we don't do as much breakdown with the, uh, film, uh, the main thing, because we're an option-based team, the main thing we want to know is how are they going to play the option? When we're under center, how are they going to play the option? Are they going to be in a 50 front or 60 front or 4-3 or whatever? Are they going to try to put extra people down in the box? How are they going to play one split, one tight, two tights, et cetera, et cetera? So we have to just kind of look at it in generalities in terms of what they're going to do. And then we've got our package offensively. We know our plays and we can draw from any particular uh, set of series of plays to run against different defenses. And we will make a hit chart about what different defenses they may come up with and um, the plays that we do want to run against those specifically. And then we come up with special plays that we want to run and we come up with uh, down and distance plays where we might want to try to use in different situations. So that's basically Sunday afternoon. We're watching film together. We're, we're formulating a game plan. We're not finalizing it, but we're formulating a game plan. And then on Monday after practice, we'll come in, uh, and that's usually the work, hard work night. Uh, defenses stay until very, very late. And um, finalizing the game plan, putting it all together. And then on Tuesday nights after practice, that's scout report night where we – we're very fortunate our parents bring us dinner for the coaches that night and then we can stay and uh, write scouting reports and every coach writes a specific scouting report for his position and usually it's at least five or six pages long the offensive line it might be eight or nine pages long um so then on wednesdays it's go home night and thursdays it's it's a lower program night and then on fridays it's kickoff time and ready to go. So it's it's a long week. 
Um, and then, of course, Saturday mornings, we don't we used to come in on Saturday mornings, work as a staff together. But uh, with the computer and everything on the computer now, our coaches can watch the game, our pre nice previous game on the computer, and they can um, uh, grade their particular positions and make notes. And we'll talk about that on Sundays as well. We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And then I'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything I really wanted to achieve, it was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had, was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's obviously a, a super extensive process, but I mean, that's what, like, I really think that preparation and in life, preparation equals confidence. Like, the more preparation that you do, the more confident you're going to be when you step on the sidelines on Friday night. And I know that's how we felt as players. We're like, we knew what the other team was going to do, how they were going to line up. And so we had so much confidence stepping up. Exactly. I, I enjoy the, the entire week of preparation. I enjoy getting in here with the staff and throwing ideas back and forth at each other and disagreeing and arguing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Of course you like arguing. Yeah. And so, um, I enjoy the, the meals that we share together, you know, all the kind of time. It, 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 we got a great chemistry with our staff and 
very fortunate to have that because that is so, so important to the success of a football team. When your coaches can get along together, we're, we're basically brothers, we're friends. Uh, we can get, get down on each other and, and, and you know, uh, argue with each other, but then it's over with when it's done and um, we're all committed to, to the same thing. Yeah. What do you, um, you know, as I said, you've been, you've been there for decades on decades and you never seem to lose the fire. Like, you know, before we even, we, before we started recording, you're telling me about the upcoming game next week and, and how, how you're nervous and, and what you've been working on. Like you still have the level of motivation. You still have the level of fire that I saw when I uh, first stepped on campus. What, like, what is that? Where, where, do you have you always had that? What keeps you so damn motivated? I don't know. I guess I'm a pretty high, strong individual. I guess I think that's the start no. of it. Um, fear of failure, probably more than anything. Mm. I want to be successful, you know, and I, I want to be proud of my performance and uh, uh, proud of the team that we put out there. Proud of my coaches. Proud of Marist School and, and the product that we have the tradition of the school. I just think it's a combination of a lot of things. I, I'm very competitive in my, in my own nature. Um, I, you know, coach Bell, our former basketball coach, he and I spent so many years together in the same office and, and working together in PE. Uh, we used to go at it a lot in badminton and in ping pong and, and played softball games together and darts. I remember I finally beat him one time in darts and I thought he was going to, you know, destroy the the pub that we were in, you know, so <laughs> he, he couldn't stand it that I beat him at something. So uh, I don't know. I guess he probably instilled as much competitiveness in me as anybody. Yeah. Uh, I was the youngest of four boys. So mm. I was always getting beat, you know, as a young kid and I would get so upset. You know, I remember going home and crying to mom because I, they would never let me win, you know, yeah. and my older brothers. So, so I guess that kind of uh, kept me raising my bar a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly our success here and, and the tradition of our program is not based on Alan Chadwick. It's based on the kids we've got, the support we have from the athletic department and the school community. Uh, the, the effort that our kids put and certainly our assistant coaches that do so much and, and, and uh, teach and coach the game of football so well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, what do you think has been some of the different leadership style changes or coaching style changes that you have kind of like intentionally undergone yourself over you're over your coaching tenure. Like, are there any times where you like you felt like you made a made a decent shift in one way or another for a specific reason? Yeah, no question. Um, I think from a personal standpoint, I've, I've learned to rely a lot more on my assistant coaches and not be so uh, over managing of them in terms of what they're doing. We've got good coaches. They've been around the game. They've played the game. They've coached the game. They know what to do, and they know our system. They know our kids. So uh, I don't have to coach our coaches as much in, anymore. Um, but one thing specifically that we have done as a, as a football program is we have gone to the spread offense a little bit on offense uh, for several reasons. So much of the game has changed to that particular offensive philosophy uh, and yet 
we were still a great deal, a great deal under center, and our defensive personnel, defensive staff weren't seeing the spread offenses very much. Yeah. So I made a decision that we wanted to try to do that. That one to help our defense get those kind of looks that they need yeah. uh, to prepare for that because we've had to incorporate more coverages, disguising coverages, more different looks and fronts up front defensively to play the different offenses we see, whether it's too tight, spread, uh, power eye, you know, whatever, wing T, which St. Pius ran for so many years. Um, so we've had to be more comprehensive from a defensive standpoint. But then the other thing is that I wanted to – uh, go to the spread offense offensively to help open things up. I think we've been getting more quarterbacks that throw the ball well. We've been getting more receivers with a little bit of length and height that catch the ball well, primarily because they're baseball players and they're, you know, they 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 know their body control of catching the ball in different positions and things like that. And um, also because it's it's a change of tempo. Um, I remember one one game when Preston Lyons was our fullback, the great fullback that went to to Georgia Tech. Uh, we call him the White Buffalo. Now, where was he in relation to you, year wise? Uh, he was uh, he, he was probably like five years or something above me. I used to watch. I used to love watching him. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he had legs like tree trunks and just tremendously strong and great feet. We were playing down at um, Grady Grady Stadium one night. And um, we were running option, 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 and just kept getting stoned and stoned and stoned. Couldn't do anything. So then we went to the spread, and it just put a whole different mindset in the defense. They were less downhill. They weren't coming after us. They were sitting back on their heels, and we gave the ball to Preston out of the spread, you know, shotgun, and he just tore them up. And, and that right there was an eye-opener for me wow. that it just in- incorporated a different – mentality from a defensive standpoint and it's a it's a tempo changer we can go hurry up we can go slow with it we can come back up under center you know we can do a lot of different things we're, we're kind of hard to prepare for we, you know we're, we're pretty good at a lot of different things but we're probably not great at any one thing like we used to be when we were under center just running an option so that those are two things that i've i've learned uh, that's very important in terms of changing through the years, because I was very reluctant to change for a long time. Uh, one instance and one example was um, we did not run what we call an outside veer. We ran an inside veer with our fullback, but we didn't run the outside veer to a tight end where the tight end blocked down. We read this nine wide technique out there. And I didn't ever want to run it because I thought it was a different footwork for the fullback, different footwork for the quarterback, different execution, different mesh. I didn't want to mess with what we've been doing. We were pretty successful until we played Westminster and Jerry Romberg, who's the coach at Westminster, was a former Marist player. Mm-hmm. I coached him when he was a junior in 1976. And then he left Marist and moved up to Maryland and, and then came back and coached at Dunwoody and coached in college for a little bit, but has been a longtime head coach over Westminster. He beat us one night running outside Veer right out here on our home field. And so we put in outside veer after that. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. That'll pretty effective for us. Yeah. 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 That'll make you change. That'll make you change. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think like you said, I th- the, 
when you see something, sometimes you don't know something different is going to work until you have to try it. So sometimes you have to just, you have to take a leap of faith and, and, and just go for it and see what happens. That was the same, same scenario with uh, the midline play. Yeah. We've got right now. We've been running that a long time. We were running midline then when, when Coach Ronberg's team beat us. We weren't running outside beer. So we started changing that and then doing that as well. Um, I, I was always, because going back to Dean Hargis and being very basic, very simple, and being very good at what you do, but not trying to do too much. But we've changed to where we're now we're doing a lot of different things. And we may not be really good at it, but we might need it somewhere down the line. Yeah. against different defensive fronts that you might see. So we're, we're doing a lot of things, and, and right now we're not executing anything very well. So that's another reason why I'm nervous about next week's ballgame. So. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, honestly, like this is like a very different change of tone of the conversation, but I feel like that's kind of like a, a lesson, especially for people who are young and, and young in life and young in career. Like sometimes if you don't know, you're going to go down a very specific career path, like build a lot of skill sets, build a lot of – knowledge and experience in different areas because like if you're not exactly sure where you want what you want to do yet like you might need the different skill sets and experiences that you learn in different places for at some point down the road sure i think another thing that kind of affected that too is that you know the concussion syndrome in, in football as it stands today the rules have changed a little bit the blocking rules the tackling rules yeah. the amount of time that you can practice and how much time you can have contact full speed contact in practice as well as two a days you know when you were playing we were going three a days you know yeah. at camp and getting like 15 practices in in a week and uh, uh that's been cut down so you can't have two successive days of two days you can only have contact you know like for a certain amount of time period of time during the week so we we haven't been able to be as physical on a regular basis as we used to be. And that's kind of forced a little bit of a change to us as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it, before, you know, before we were in the conversation, you know, you talked about how some people might see you as like the, an old grumpy guy and uh, probably more than just some. <laughs> Uh, well, I feel like everybody listening is going to laugh at that. But um, what do you feel? I feel like I'm, I've been trying to think about how I wanted to ask this question because you are seen as that and you are you are pretty a reserved guy. But there are definitely the times where, you know, you crack jokes and you, you back off a little bit and you smile. And I've and I've had, you know, the fortunate experience of being around you outside of just football practice and outside of just football games a handful of times. And I know that you do you do let up and, and you're not just like that all the time. So like wh what, in, in what instances do you feel like you're not that quote old grumpy guy and you kind of let off a little bit? Well, I think I'm old and grumpy when life starts happening so fast and things keep coming at you faster than you can work at them, faster than you can get them off your desk or get them off your mind, whatever. Um, I have become a lot more looser, I think, because of, you know, you reach a certain level of success and you, you, things seem to be working on autopilot pretty much. Our staff is what it is. Uh, I was a little anxious this summer uh, because of different situations that we were not getting enough time together with our team. We had some personnel missing. We had some coaches missing. And I knew we were going to be a very, very young team. 
And so um, I was a little bit on edge this summer, you know, in, in starting out. Um, we've kind of caught up a little bit, but at the same time, the weather has knocked us out of a, a four, five or six practices, you know. And so we're, you know, we're kind of making some progress and then bam, we get knocked down. So um, I think just being more comfortable in my skin, more comfortable in being in front of a team of a crowd of people, um, just the parent teacher meetings that we have every year with the kickoff meetings with the uh, team and their parents and lightening up and showing a different side. Uh, you do this so many times, you know, it just becomes kind of routine. Um, but uh, I enjoy poking fun at kids, you know, yeah. I think that, you know, and I have to be very careful nowadays because of what you say, you know, you golly, it's like, you got to be so careful of everything. And, uh, and yet you want them to know that you care about them. That's part of the way why the, how they know that you care, because if you're not talking to them, you're not coaching them, or you're not ragging on them a little bit, then they don't know who you are or, you know, what you're about. So we rag on each other a little bit every now and then. And uh, usually after the end of practice every day, I'll, I'll say something, cover some sort of ground, but I'll poke it in the direction of one of the kids or something like that. And, and everybody will kind of laugh and lighten up. I hope they mean it's, I hope they know that I'm not trying to be mean or point them out, but I'm just, you know, trying to keep things light and, and have fun with it. Kids have to have fun playing this game of football. Mm -hmm. um, it's not all work. Uh, it's got to be a little bit of enjoyment to it. And we try to incorporate that into what we're doing. And, and I think our coaches do a great job of that. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really good point. You know, you know, you would do, you would definitely. <laughs> I'm like thinking about a few people off the top of my head who I know you would rag on a decent amount. Um, but now, no, you, I feel like I feel like that last point was was really huge in regards to keeping it light and having letting the kids have fun. Like a lot of times, I feel like we would be sitting around in a circle after practice and we're waiting on like who's Chadwick gonna give a give a hard time to and and the, and the coaches give it back to me just as much. I've got to I've got to relay one story. Back in the old days, we were over in Old Kirk Gym, and and uh, we had one of the maintenance guys that would come in at night and, and and do the cleaning up of the locker room and this that and the other. And um, one night he comes in there and he's cleaning up, and a couple of the coaches are there, and and he thought my name was Alex Chapman. So, so he he asked those coaches, he says, "Hey, that." Alex Chapman, he, he, he's a pretty good coach, right? So, so, yeah, he's a good coach. He does a good job. He says, well, when y'all going to get him to throw the ball more, you know? So, <laughs> so from that point on, and this was like in the probably the early 90s, whatever, to the coaches, my name's Alex Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call me, is Alex Chapman. So. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I had never, never heard that before. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's cool. That's cool. Um, if you had to, if you were sitting down right now across from Alan, Alex Chapman, Alan Chadwick from 1985, what, 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 what advice would you give to 1985 Alan Chadwick? Wow, man, that's a tough question. Um, well, I'll just, just be yourself, you know, be yourself and, and, uh, enjoy the journey. Um, you know, work hard. I think that's something I've always done uh, is work hard and, and and give as much of myself to our players and our program as I possibly can. Uh, 
when you can't do that, then you need to be thinking about stepping back and giving up the reins a little bit. And I can feel a little bit right now. I can feel it. My, my plan is three more years, hopefully, possibly. Um, so, but I can feel myself slowing down. I'm not as spry running from one end of the field to the other and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I still enjoy the Friday nights and the competition and the challenge of Friday nights. Um, I would say just be yourself, enjoy the journey, work hard, give as much of yourself as you possibly can, and uh, trust other people that they're, they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't have, didn't have that trust in those other people early on, feeling like I had to try to do everything and, and cover every single base with everybody. Um, but uh, the success of our program has, has led me to trust others and depend on them. And yeah. that's where I am right now. I depend on them a great deal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you, I love that you said that because I think that's something I can relate to in, in regards to like, you know, when you're, when you're a person who knows you're going to work hard and you know, you'll get things done, then you kind of want to just get, you just, you don't want to delegate. You don't want to rely on anybody else. You're like, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done. And so sometimes it's, it's really great to be able to take that step back and be able to let other people like take a lot of the burden for you. It's, it's not healthy to do that. And, yeah. uh, uh, you, you learn that slowly over time, uh, but you know, you get good, good people around you, let them do their job. And uh, I certainly do have that here at Marist. Yeah. Now I feel like I never, I never heard you say put, ever put like a timeline in regards to when the uh, end of the career might be and and, you know, it could be three years, it could be shorter, it could be longer. Um, you know, things change, but and I feel like this is a question that's been going around mayor's people's heads for a while. It's like, how long is Coach Chadwick going to keep going? You know, I feel like it's kind of like the elephant in the room, but nobody wants to ask you or anything like that. And I'm not, and you know, you might've said three years and I'm not going to ask you when you're going to be done, but like, how will you know when, when it's time? Well, I keep thinking about that on a regular basis and retirement kind of scares me to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really golf. I have, I can golf, but I don't really do it. Um, I don't hunt. I don't fish. Uh, I do ski in the winter, but how much skiing can you do when you're in the South? You know, um, don't have grandkids yet. I'm hoping that might happen before I have the ability to enjoy them. You yeah. know, so uh, we'll still, we'll just see, I, you know, my time frame was uh, three years. I'll be 73. I'll be 70 here in October. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. Having to punch that clock every day and be at Marist so many days in the summer, you know, we come in at 645 in the morning, you know, four or five days a week, uh, having to come over here on the weekends sometimes uh, continually for 365 days a year. It starts to wear and tear. Um, I get a little bit more energized this time of year because of the challenge that's in front of us and getting the staff back together and getting in meeting rooms and and planning and working together um so i don't know uh that's the plan um you know we'll just see how it goes but uh that's that's kind of the the long-range plan right now i want to be able to just do do other different things i want to be able to travel more than i have um I want to get I want to get on a road trip and get out around the country. 
I want to take road trips in the fall. I want to go up to the, and watch an Ivy League game mm. in late October, you know. I'd like to travel out to the West Coast and watch Pac-12 out there. Uh, go to some of these places I've never been. Oxford, Mississippi, you know, places yeah. like that. Just kind of see football in, in different environments and uh, things like that. Uh, go to Texas and watch a high school game on a Friday night or something. You know, just yeah. different things like that. Yeah. Get out on the road and kind of see the country and experience some neat things. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And and just talking generally speaking, you know, I think probably most people listening would be thrilled if it would be really hard for them to retire their job because, you know, they're still enjoying it and they still feel like they get a lot of motivation from it and they still have that drive, uh, that drive for it. So I think you're, you're pretty special in that regard. Down the last few questions here. I've talked a lot about the, you know, the duration of your career and, you know, you've talked a lot about consistency in a lot of different areas, consistency with your practices, um, consistency with, with plays and stuff like that. And I think that consistency in any area of your life, whether it's your health and, and your fitness and your career and your personal life and relationships, I think consistency is like the number one key to like success. What do you think has allowed you to so like stay consistently disciplined year after year after year after year after year? Like you, per- like you personally, not even necessarily like the football and the program, like you personally, what has allowed you to stay so disciplined? Well, uh, probably like you in that respect, that I'm a very disciplined individual about what I do on a day-to-day basis and how I go about just getting up and going through the day. Um, it's been ingrained in me to be a workout kind of guy, you know, because I, I feel better when I work out. I feel responsible to watch out after myself and try to maintain a good level of health. Um, uh I don't like to leave things unattended when things aren't, you know, I don't like my desk to be, you know, all messed up and yeah. paper scattered everywhere. I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, structured in that respect that I, I see things that have to be done and I like to check them off the list. And, yeah. it's, you know, that's just the way I've done things. And um, uh, I think that gives me a level of, of uh, discipline a uh, level of structure, uh, a level of comfortableness, you know, about my day and what I've accomplished and what I need to accomplish. The bottom, the downside of that, though, is I find myself waking up in the middle of the night more, more and more as I get older for different reasons. But also because when I do wake up, my mind starts thinking about what I got to do. Yeah. And so sometimes it's harder to get back to sleep and get the rest that I need. Um, that's that's one thing that I've noticed much more these last few years is uh, not getting that consistent amount of sleep at night. Mm. Uh, I guess I got to work harder during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got to get all that crap done. Come on. Um, well, down to the last couple of questions. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I think I would be. I think people would be mad if I didn't ask anything about Sean McVay. So Sean McVay was the quarterback at Marist back when they won the state championship in, in 2003 and obviously now is the Rams head football coach and has been now for the last few years. Is there a best like Sean McVay story or the a favorite Sean McVay story, anything about him that, that other people would be intrigued to hear? No question. Uh, this That's an easy one. That's the easiest question you've asked me today, Nick. Um, <laughs> We're playing a game early in the season, Sean's senior year. 
And, um, and of course, we, I already had several coaches even told us as a sophomore that Sean should have been playing quarterback, you know, but we had some older kids and I want to give them their shot, this, that, and the other. But we're playing an early season game and uh, Sean, of course, is a quarterback and he misses a couple of reads early in the game. And it's one of these games where we know we're going to win. We're going to win by at least three, maybe four touchdowns, okay, at the least. And uh, he missed a couple of reads, and he comes over on the sideline, and he sits down there at the end of the bench, right where Huff and the trainers and the doctors always congregated, you know, at the end of the bench where they got their golf carts and all the doctors and trainers are down there. And um, I come over to him on the on the bench, and I'm just – giving him up one side and down the other, but he's missing these reads. He shouldn't be missing. And, you know, what the heck are you doing out there? You know, get your eyes in the right spot, you know, read the guy. If he turns his shoulders, pull it, you know, this, that, and the other. So I'm just really giving him up one side and down the other for about maybe two minutes or so. And I just, and the more I'm giving it to him, the more upset I'm getting with him. So I turn and walk off down the sideline and I'll walk all the way down to the other end of the bench. And then I start walking back and I went back up to him. And I started giving it to him again. Just, you know, I didn't, I didn't want him to relax. Yeah. Basically, you know, you're afraid in some of these games like this, that your team's just going to be too relaxed. They're going to go through the motions and you're going to look like crap. You know, they're just going to be, you know, making all kinds of mistakes, and not performing. So I was just trying to, you know, stir him up a little bit. So I came back down and I started giving it to him again. And then finally I turned and walked up and he turns to the, trainers and the doctors after I walked away the second time he says that's okay he thinks I'm hard of hearing <laughs> <laughs> and I did not I did not hear that until years later and I oh thought that was gosh. just the funniest thing that is hilarious <laughs> it affect him one bit you know he's who's this crazy old man yelling at me he doesn't yeah. he doesn't know what he's talking about so. oh my gosh that's hilarious <laughs> that's so you know it's Go ahead. Well, it's just we are so proud of what he's done. And I'll have to tell you one other thing. I, I'll go to a, a pub or a bar or something like that, and I'll get a bite to eat at the counter, you know, and, and Sean's picture will be you know, come on the TV or something like that. And I'm just, you know, sticking my chest out. And, this, <laughs> and I'll have knock this guy next to me and say, hey, I don't even know this guy. I say, hey, I used to coach this guy. And he looks at me and says, yeah, right, buddy, you know. so yeah. But that's, yeah. what, that's just why I am just kind of so proud of, you know, having that connection and, and somebody who's done so well and, you know, is such a great person. He came back, as a matter of what, by, by the way, by, for graduation last mm -hmm. uh, May and spoke to the graduating class and we had a luncheon for him. And he and Kenneth Brinson came back. They're both awarded some uh, awards and um, it was great to see him. And then all the Ash Cody boys came to it as well and mm -hmm. uh, all his good buddies that came back it was a lot of fun that's awesome very cool very cool yeah i um i had the opportunity i guess like the his special teams coach i don't know if the who i don't even know who the guy's name but like his special teams coaches like dad used to be an nfl coach and i had a like a random opportunity to like yeah. to speak to him and i asked him about like what his son told him about why sean mcveigh is so special and the thing that he said is 
he always he's he stays pretty even keel. Like he never gets too high on on any on any high and never gets too low. He stays pretty even keel. And like when you said like the the, the joke of he's he's hard of hearing out, that was like oh my gosh, like he's always been like that. Right. As a matter of fact, uh, one of their scouting personnel came by yesterday from the Rams, and um, he's a he's actually charged of security, so he does background checks on potential draftees that they may draft. And he came by and wanted to, uh, you know, get the scoop on Kyle Hamilton. And so uh, we spent probably 45 minutes together just talking about Kyle. And he was telling me stories about Sean and the, and the Rams and that kind of thing, too. So it was it was pretty neat. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, well, Coach, before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you for, I mean, honestly, like changing my life, like going to Marist. And, you know, I still remember going to the Marist football camps when, I was younger and always wanted to like be the guy who could impress who could impress you with whatever it is that I did. And then, you know, same thing from some from seventh grade on. I always I mean, marriage football is something that I know changed my life and changed so many um, of my friends lives. And and we could just not um, say more about it. And um, it's it's a community and, and, and it's a bond like unlike any other that you can ever have i think even if you're you play college ball you still don't get that kind of closeness and brotherhood with those players like you do in your high school football team and i've seen it all across the country and i've certainly seen it a great deal at maris that you guys your best buddies are those guys that you hung out with in that locker room and and bled and died and cried cried with and cried for on those fields on Friday nights. And it's a special bond. And we're very fortunate to have the kind of program and the kids that we have and the success we've had. And then that kind of just generates more, um, more focus on those things, uh, particularly here at Marist. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, well, coach, the last question is, I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't know if we're ever at that best version of ourselves. And I also think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of Alan Chadwick, of Alex Chapman that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Get more sleep at night. (laughs) Um. Trying to trying to be a little bit more organized. Life keeps happening so fast, and these darn computers, things comes at you, you know, that that you have to work on, and you got to push them aside. Uh, try to be a little bit more organized. I think I'm still, I think I'm a fairly organized person, but I think that's certainly something else I need to do. And uh, I think the next thing is just take better care of myself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as I'm aging, you know. Uh, the joints are hurting more, and 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 you know, like I said, you don't sleep as well. But just uh, taking good care of myself, and eating properly, and and uh, doing the right things, uh, and then certainly I need to I need to increase my um, uh, my faith a little bit more too. I, I've got to make it more of an effort to spend time on my faith. Uh, you get so busy sometimes, you get so in, entrenched in your life that you. You let some things slide, and and from time to time, that's that. I think that's one of the things that slides in my faith and in my my life. And I, I need to get more grounded in that uh, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I got it. Well, well, three great things, Coach. I know so many people are going to uh, absolutely love this interview and and love hearing some of your stories and and some of your insights and 
uh, and, and experiences and stuff like that. So thanks so much for spending the time with me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Good luck to you. I appreciate it. Enjoyed seeing you and you take care of yourself. Thanks so much for listening to that really special episode with Coach Chadwick. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. And if this was your first time that you ever listened to the Best You Podcast, then be sure to click the subscribe button. And if you want to take it to the next level, then be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. And let me know what your favorite takeaway from Coach was. And also be sure you're following me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you. To be able to sit down and interview my high school football coach was one of the most special moments that I've had since starting this podcast. If you knew me at all in high school, you know how much I loved Marist football. I mean, I remember to go into Marist football camps when I was 10, 11, 12 years old and trying to do whatever I could to impress Coach Chadwick. And then I truly loved playing for him as well. And, and as we talked about, he can sometimes be kind of an angry and, and grumpy guy. But whenever I see him come out of his shell, it's just really super special. And I get to really see his authentic self. I mean, he's really a great guy at heart. He wants the best for his players. He loves his players. And he would do absolutely anything for them. For all of those fellow Maris alumni or Maris families that are listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Coach and who has given so much to all of us. And if you, I hope if you get a chance to see him after listening, that you tell him how much you enjoyed the episode and how much you appreciate him and all he's done for you, for your family, and for Marist School. He's a special guy whose name will never be forgotten on the Marist campus whenever he does decide to hang it up. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now it's time to go out. It's time to take action. It's time to take consistent action like Coach Chadwick has decade after decade after decade consistently so we can get closer and closer to your best you. You.